Hey, Jen. Hey, Peter. I think today is a flagship day for us because we've done something that we've never done before. This is true. What have we done? Well, we've taken notes <laughs> and are going to reference our notes when we talk today. Which is rare for us because usually this is very much a free-flowing conversation. So I'm interested to see where it takes us. Yeah, we asked each other to come prepared to discuss our favorite things. Let's jump into it. This is the long and the short of it. Okay, Jen, so we gave each other some homework to come up with our favorite or our most impactful version or resource of the following things. A fiction book, a nonfiction book. I threw in a little bonus one that you may not know about just to keep it, you know, in line with the rest of our podcasts. And that is audiobook. Oh, sneaky. Very sneaky. Sorry about that. We also had favorite podcast episode. Another one that you threw in, which I liked, was our favorite website, which took me a long time. Our favorite word, our favorite video, and finally, our favorite show. So those are the criteria. How, how is your homework going? How did you go with your homework? Well, it was good. The one thing that I found sort of disturbing was that my initial list looked very homogenous. And I realized how much of my way of thinking has been shaped really by white Western males. And so it was important for me to recognize this. And now I shall start looking at the things I'm inputting into my brain in a new way. But I thought I would share what I actually put on my list. And then I'm hoping that about a year from now, we can do this again. And I'll have all sorts of new things to share. Yeah, I love that. And I think like just to applaud the fact that you recognize that too, because I, I, I've had a similar reaction to me realizing a lot of the the things, the resources on my list come from males, which is an interesting thing to observe. And the good news is now we can do something about it. Okay. Well, let's dive in. So Pete, what is your favorite or most impactful fiction book? I had a lot of trouble not putting Harry Potter on this list or at, at the top of this list but I didn't. So instead, I went with a book called The Little Prince, or the original, I believe, is French, so it's actually Le Petit Prince. Oh, yes. If there's any French listeners out there and I've butchered the pronunciation, I'm sorry. But this book, I think it's almost a rite of passage as a kid that you are given and read this book. But in recent times, in the last 12 months, I reread it and was struck by the like the power of the message in that book that it's not only entertaining for a kid to read but as an adult when you read it there is so much meaning and so much value and so many truths in all of the characters in the little prince and so i've got that on there as one of the most timeless and one of 
my favorite fiction books. Have you read it? Uh, yes, I've read it. And in fact, when I was working as an artistic director, we produced the stage version of that show. Or the stage version version of that book as a show. Nice. That would have been amazing. Now it's your turn. Your favorite or most impactful fiction book. This was honestly really hard for me because you know this, Peter, but I don't read enough fiction. I am constantly reading, mostly nonfiction. Actually, during the months of September to May, it's like almost exclusively nonfiction. And then in the summer, I read some fiction while I'm sitting on the beach. But there was a time in my life when I was voraciously reading fiction. And so I thought I would go back to that time in my life when my favorite author was John Irving. And I have literally read every single thing he's ever written. I think my favorite book of his is The World According to Garp. And the reason it is my favorite is there is a scene, which I will tell you nothing about, because my hope is that if you haven't read this book, you will go out and read it. And when you do, you'll know where when you get to it, that there is a scene in the book that is so shocking and so crazy and upsetting that while I was reading, I started out loud making crazy noises and then I slammed the book shut and I threw it. What? And I've never had a response like that to a book before. And then of course I scrambled and grabbed the book again and found the page and reread it just to make sure that I had read what I thought I read. Anyway, it's a fantastic book and um his his writing is is quite evocative. So yeah, I've I haven't read that book and now I have to because of that story. So thank you. I mean the whole thing is crazy, but it's it's so good. Okay, let's move into your favorite genre, nonfiction, which is also my favorite genre. I, I have this issue too that I don't read enough fiction. So let's move into some nonfiction. What is your favorite and or most impactful nonfiction book? For this I had to go with most impactful because I have so many favorites in this particular genre. But the most impactful is without question, Start With Why by Simon Sinek. When I read this book, everything just seemed to click. It's not like Simon had invented the concept of purpose, but what he had invented was such a simple way to articulate what it means to have a purpose And I happened to be reading it at the time that I was meant to be able to understand it. And after reading that book, I literally changed my life. I started looking at everything differently. I started looking at everything I was doing differently, why I was doing it, who I was doing it with. And it has been a a wonderful journey to start with why. Yeah, that that featured very highly on my list and may or may not feature later in the episode on my list. What about you, Peter? Well, I had to go with most impactful as well because favorite is was far too hard. So I went 
the most impactful. And where that took me was to a book that that changed my life in the sense that, and I know you don't like it when we say a book changes our life because it was me by picking up and reading that book that changed my life. But the book just introduced me to all of these new things that then actually led me to find the Start With Why book and led me to find a bunch of other books which have ultimately had a really big impact. And so the book is The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. And it's, it's meaningful to me, not in the sense that I created, I joined the new rich is what he calls it and, and created a four hour work week. I didn't do that at all, but it's meaningful to me in the sense or impactful to me in the sense that it was the catalyst for me to see and realize that my thoughts of there's got to be an easier way. There's got to be a better way. There's got to be a more meaningful way to live my life weren't crazy. And that someone had also experienced this and written a book about it. And so that threw me on a different trajectory where I discovered his podcast and through his podcast, I discovered hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thought leaders and really powerful and inspiring people that he interviews, which then led me to their books and to their ways of thinking and their ideas. So that really was the catalyst for a lot of change for me, that book. Very cool. Yeah. You, you reference that book a lot in our conversations. So I'm not surprised that it's topping your list as most impactful. Okay, I'm going back to audiobook. Okay, well, you can do this one by yourself because I don't listen to audiobooks. Okay, okay, deal. I would like to shout out my favorite audiobook on the planet, which is the autobiography of Bruce Springsteen, and it's titled Born to Run. You mean The Boss? The Boss. And it is read by The Boss. No. You will never hear a more encapsulating and authentic and engaging narrator than Bruce Springsteen narrating his own book. It is unbelievable. He breaks into song. He like riffs a little bit and it's just, oh, it's, it's engrossing. And it's like 20 hours and it's just so good. I've listened to it three times and I highly recommend it for everybody. Maybe this will get me into audiobooks. Oh, if you like, you love podcasts, you just treat this as like 10 podcasts and it is so good. Okay. I'm going to check it out. Thank you for that. Of course. Which leads us to podcasts actually. So Jen, what's your favorite podcast episode? I love that we had to narrow it down to podcast episode because there is no way with the amount of podcasts that we listen to, it would be possible to pick just one podcast as a, like an entity to highlight. There are so many. But my favorite podcast episode is a two-part episode. It is an episode of Entree Leadership, which some people might be surprised to learn that I listen to, but I do. Entree Leadership. It is the two-part episode with Dr. Michael Gervais. And this is how I was first introduced to his work. And the episodes are amazing. But the thing that really hooked me on him was he tells the story of working with NASA and Red Bull when they were doing this space jump, which was so crazy, where they got this free jumper to literally go out into outer space and then jump back to Earth. It's crazy. And you can actually watch the video of the actual launch and the jump on YouTube. And 
Like if you can breathe while you're watching it, more power to you because I basically held my breath for the full two hours. It's crazy. He talks about how he trained Felix Baumgartner to do the jump. And hearing him talk about this, I had so many aha moments about how the training to overcome anxiety triggers has to start in a totally different way than I had ever been approaching it in my own work. It really changed how I was working with my artists after listening to him talk about getting a guy to jump from outer space back to earth. It's remarkable. So that is the podcast episodes I would recommend. I love that you cheated and made it a two-part episode, but that is a phenomenal story. And I think Felix actually, just to throw in as part of the story, I think he fell unconscious halfway through that jump and then regained consciousness on the way down, which is like, it's hard to even get your head around it. And what about you? Well, I feel weird re-referencing Tim Ferriss, but I'm going to, not because of him, but because of the person that he interviews, because the most amazing podcast interview I've ever heard was when Tim Ferriss interviewed Terry Crews. And for those wondering, it's episode 287 of the Tim Ferriss Show. (laughs) I looked it up. This interview with Terry Crews is like mind-blowing on so many levels. Here is a guy that is physically and literally a giant, like a six-foot-four ball of muscle. He used to play NFL and is you know almost a bodybuilder in the size and the sheer muscular definition of the guy. And so... What's fascinating is hearing him talk about his struggle, hearing him talk about his background, his father, his relationship with himself and the people that he grew up with, both in football and outside of football. And he's actually an artist as well and got an art scholarship. And he's a creative and he's an inventor and he's an actor now. And he's just this living embodiment that you know, you just don't know what someone's story is until you are curious enough to ask them. And that hearing him talk and this line that always stood out to me is that vulnerability is not a weakness. Like that line just not haunts me, but just echoes in my head all the time. That if Terry Crews, you know, the physical manifestation of what it means to be a quote unquote strong male is vulnerable enough and willing to talk about his struggles and his hard parts in an open public platform, because this was filmed live, then I think it's just like inspiring for the rest of us to do the same. So Terry Crews, episode 287 of the Tim Ferriss Show. That is my favorite podcast of all time. Love it. Hmm. Okay. This next category had you puzzled when I first brought it up. So random. The reason I brought it up is because I had something in mind. So I sort of cheated. (laughs) You totally did. But I did that with audiobooks, so you're allowed. True. Okay, so we're both cheats. The category is favorite website. And my favorite website is, get your browsers ready, folks, visualthesaurus.com. Oh, my gosh. Visualthesaurus.com. It is the best. If I was ever going to get a tattoo, which I am not, but if I was... I would basically get a screenshot of Visual Thesaurus because I love it so much. So you type in a word 
And then this sort of family tree springs to life, the family tree of words. So we'll try it. Try it at home right now. I'm going to go to Visual Thesaurus. Right now I'm talking with you, Peter. So I'm going to type in the word purpose. I'm doing this with you at the same time. Purpose. Okay. And then look what happens. It shows you all the different meanings of purpose. Whoa. And then the related words. So what I might be talking about is resolve. That's one of the pathways I can go down. And then there's a green button that I can click between the word purpose and the word resolve. And when I do, it then creates a resolve family tree. I am obsessed with this website because for me, I, I love words. I love language. And I love thesauruses, but there is something so satisfying about seeing it laid out this way as opposed to just a list of words. I also just have to say the website itself, it, I mean, it looks a little old, so it would be a very amusing tattoo if you were to get that screenshot. I just mean the word, like a, a, <laughs> not, not all the buttons. You're right. It is a little dated. <laughs> But the actual word family trees are just everything. I love them so much. They're amazing. Okay. That's a good favorite website then. Comes with a good story. I'm glad that you were able to throw that one in there. And what about you? I was scratching my noggin with this one a lot. <laughs> I was sc scratching my noggin, which I don't know if that's an Australianism, but it means head. No, we, we have that over here in the States as well. Okay. So noggin is a thing. So I was scratching my noggin thinking favorite website. Like I don't, I don't have a favorite website. What's Jen talking about? And so what I landed on was not, it doesn't feel that exciting, but the reason for it, I think is why it's my favorite. And the website is airbnb.com. Huh. Yeah, I know. And I think it's because for me, when I go to airbnb.com, it gives me like a sense of wonder, adventure, and Ultimately, it means that I'm looking for something to book for a holiday, which is really cool or really amazing. And not, well, not necessarily a holiday, but I'm going somewhere new and I'm trying something different. And so I love that. The other thing I really like about it is just the fact that it's just a, it's just a beautifully designed website and their whole brand is really crisp in the way that they've approached browsing, in the way that they've approached you know, the semiotics of everything on their website. It's very curated and very particular, which I really liked. Not at all like visualthesaurus.com in the way that it looks. But it's, I love it. I love it as a website, as a travel destination for me because of the story that I can tell from that website. You can really feel the generation gap between us. <laughs> Especially if you pull up those two websites side by side. That's what I mean. It's just hilarious. Okay. So next up was favorite word. What's your favorite word? Well, my favorite word right now that I came up with is noodling. <laughs> and it's because I use this word a lot, right? When I'm noodling on something, it means I'm thinking about something. I mentioned before, scratching my noggin. I use it interchangeably with that. So it's my favorite word because it's a little bit amusing, but also because it's one of my favorite things to do, right? To me, noodling is thinking creatively about something. I might do that on a whiteboard. I might do that audibly in this podcast, for example. I feel like a lot of our conversations are me noodling. 
And it's just one of my favorite things to do, to, to think outside the box, to think creatively and to try and noodle on ideas, concepts and ways of thinking. And it's just a fun word rather than I'm thinking about something. It's just so much funner to say I'm noodling on something. I love that. What's your favorite word, Jen? Well, I was going to go deep, but now I feel like I got to come up with something <laughs> sort of cute. No, go deep. Let's go deep. I'm ready. Okay. Well, my, my favorite word for meaning is the word belonging, which only recently came to be like a major part of what I think about day in and day out is creating a culture of belonging. And I want to help build communities where people feel they belong. So that word has become very important to me recently. Yeah, that's a good one. I love that word belonging. The next on our list was video. I think favorite video. Do you have a favorite video? I I have a lot. I mean, I watch a lot of TED Talks. So my <laughs> and I also like to watch news bloopers. <laughs> like just type the words news blooper snowplow. It's a very short video. Okay. Funny. Snowplow sprays news reporter. 16 seconds. I'm clicking on it. Here it comes. It's playing. I don't know if you can hear it. (laughs) Oh, it's so good. (laughs) See, I didn't even watch it with you, but I'm watching it in my memory, and it's just so funny. So simple, so funny, so effective. Yeah, I like that. Is that really your favorite video? I mean, I've got a bunch of favorite news bloopers. So that that is one of my favorite, like, it, it never fails to make me laugh videos. But the one that I had written down is one that was introduced to me during the Alt-MBA, which is a video about Saubona. The reason I love this video is for the last almost 15 years, of training actors, we do this ritual in certain classes. It's at the beginning of class, but in every class, it's at the end of every single person's work session. It's before they sit down, I ask them to see everyone, to look into the eyes of everyone who has seen them work. Or if the actor I'm working with is vision impaired, we do a modification of this and we do an ensemble breath where everyone breathes in sync with each other. And I see a lot of benefits from doing this. And it wasn't until I saw the Saubona video that I realized that it had a name. This idea of I see you, I am here. So if you're interested, type Saubona, S-A-W-U-B-O-N-A into your YouTube search. And it's It's the video posted by the Global Oneness Project. Nice. Yeah, that's a good video. So my favorite video, I really struggled to pick one. So I cheated and picked two. The first one was the TED Talk, Start With Why, which you mentioned the book earlier. I saw the TED Talk before I knew there was a book. And like it profoundly 
like you said with the book, it profoundly changed how I thought about myself and the work that I do. And it it was like in it, it was like Simon was taking what was in my brain and putting words to it. Like this thing that I could never work out or articulate or come to terms with that some companies do things one way and other companies do things another way or some leaders do things one way and other leaders do things another way. And I could never work out why. And then he just gave me this simple reason, this simple way of understanding was that they start with why. So that that TED Talk fundamentally changed a lot of things for me. Yeah, that should be required viewing for everyone. So if you haven't seen Simon Sinek and the Start With Why TED Talk, it's it's absolute must-see TV. Mm-hmm. It's almost as must-see as the Snowplow blooper that I just watched. No, it's equally. And so the second one, the second one on my list I had was a video that someone created based on an Obama speech, I believe. And so the video is called Fired Up. And if you Google Fired Up Obama, it's the one at the top on Vimeo, I think it is. And it's sort of like an animated, someone's created this animation of a story that Obama told about a speech that he gave and how one voice can make a difference. And oh, a video, I mean, I'm not into American politics that much because I'm an Australian, but that video and the message within it is just so, so profound and so good and so well delivered in true Obama fashion. So yeah, I think that video, regardless of who you are, where you are, what you believe, you know, I don't want to get political, regardless of all of that, I think it's a video worth watching. It's just a, a reminder that you know, his message is your voice makes a difference. So I just think it's worth watching and checking out. It's one of my favorites. All right. So now we've arrived at the final favorite things question. The final one. How are you feeling? How are you liking this format? It is really fun. Yeah. It's making me realize that, you know, when when we first were launching this podcast, we talked about whether or not to do show notes. And does anyone ever read the show notes? This feels like the first time... <laughs> that show notes would be useful to provide links to people. So we'll, we could toss that around offline. And if, if we have show notes, guys, they would be on our website, the long and the short podcast.com. But we also might not have short no- show notes. So <laughs> it's a mystery. It is. It feels like, yeah, you're right. It feels, it feels relevant for this episode. But okay, favorite show. I mean, I feel like this is a this is one of your favorite questions, surely. Your favorite show. Hamilton. Hands down, Hamilton by Lynn Manuel Miranda. It is both on paper and on stage the greatest thing I have ever witnessed. Wow. I believe it, because you would know. So my favorite show is Les Mis, actually. <laughs> What? I was not expecting that. I, I didn't think you would. And Lame is is my favorite show. Again, I think it's because of the 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 relevance or the story behind it, which is that it's this show that my mum and I see whenever it's in town. I've seen it like three times. And for whatever reason, I don't even know how this started, but my mum took me to see Lame is when I was, I don't know, I must have been like eight or nine. And it was, I think it was my first big show that I'd seen, like big production. 
And so I'm sure there's part of that, which is what makes it so memorable for me. And so our rule is now, whenever it's back in Melbourne, we, we go and see it together. And yeah, I don't know if it's just the music, the story, the theater of the whole thing. I just, yeah, I just love the show and the soundtrack Les Mis. I've been known to sit around and listen to Les Mis while I'm doing work. I am flabbergasted. I wasn't expecting you to pick a theater show. That's, my, my heart is so happy right now, Peter. <laughs> I was, well, I was, I was hoping that this would make you happy, but then I was also like, I mean, you know, all of the shows and maybe Les Mis is not that good compared to all of the shows, but that is a show that I really love. Les Mis is a guilty pleasure. I mean, you have to love Les Mis. All the choral singing and the melodrama and the flag waving and the- It's fun. You know, everyone's suffering and dying, but it's so romantic. And then you got the, it's just fun as well. Like it's, yeah, I think a guilty pleasure seems like a good way to describe it. I like that. Yes, I love it. Wow. Well, this was fun. It was fun. It was enjoyable. And while it gave us a little bit of structure, we still made room to riff and talk about random things like your favorite bloopers of newsreaders. Yeah, don't get don't get used to the notes though, because at the end of the day, we're both so much better without them. I agree, and it feel I didn't know what to say. We don't even know how to end because we're looking <laughs> at our notes. I'm shuffling notes in front of me, like, wait, is this the bit where we say the end bit? Well, it seems like this is that moment. So, do you want to say it? I'm happy to say it. Just confirming with my notes, and yes, that is definitely the long and the short of it. <laughs>